0: Experience. Experience. Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass podcast. This is for UFC Fight Night Apex, I versus Calvillo. Paul Troncy joined in, or joined by phone. By Cody Safdick coming off of the heels you know it was a card that we were, our picks weren't all that bad but Hooper I mean we kind of laid out the path for Caceres to do it and he it's like he just he knew exactly it's like he's a professional fighter who knows exactly what to do in these situations so Hooper looked like the 20 year old that he is but uh you know onwards and upwards we go how are you doing this week Cody?
1: Yeah, good. I mean, yeah, last week we went seven and five on the 12 fights. So yeah, it wasn't disastrous. But at the same time, not the same results people are usually are probably accustomed to at this point. But this looks like a pretty good offering. I know a lot of people are crapping on it saying, you know, the UFC's packing it in. They're all sorts of worries about the main event and is it a weak card and this and that. But it does look like there's a couple of good spots where the uh, the odds aren't crazy out of control. Maybe get a, a couple safe picks along the way so yeah i'm actually excited to just jump back right back into it
0: let's jump right into it right now then we have in the main event we have jessica evil uh, jessica evil eye taking on cynthia calvillo jessica i and cynthia calvillo can both be had a four minus 110 it's basically been a pick them across the board this week cody why don't you take it away
1: yeah, I mean, obviously it's a pick on both sides because either fighter has the capability of winning this contest. It just depends who's going to employ the better game plan, I guess. I'm leaning towards Jessica, I personally, just because I feel like she's going to have a couple of variables going in her favor that might stuff out Cynthia Calvillo's, you know, path to getting that win. Namely, Cynthia Calvillo is. You know, at 115 pounds, you know, she's a decent wrestler. Uh, she's a scrappy fighter. she got decent striking. But she never really was a 115. Like, she botched a few weight cuts. Coming into the Courtney, sorry, the Pagliano-Batello fight, remember, she looks like death on the way, on the scale. She weighs 118 pounds, wins the fight in the first round. The Courtney Casey fight, she makes weight, gasses out in the third round. The Marina Rodriguez fight, she comes in at 120 for a 115 fight. It's like, what are you doing? And now she's more or less forced up to one twenty-five. She's forced up to one twenty-five against Jessica I, who's fought at comfortably at 135 pounds. Now, Jessica I had a bad problem back when she was fighting at 135, is that big strong wrestlers have their way against her. Now it's unfair to kind of say that about her because those big strong wrestlers include Misha Tate, Juliana Pena, and Sarah McMahon. Like that talk about Murder's row of grapplers at 135. Misha Tate, former champion, obviously known for her wrestling and her grappling. Juliana Peña. The strongest fighter you've seen it was an absolute Mack truck, obviously a good grappler, and then Sarah McMahon, the former Olympic silver medalist. So is it fair to say that her blueprint of beating her is just grounding her and beating the... Let's let's not even talk about the Shevchenko fight. Like, yeah, kick her straight in the face. Like, very few people have that capability. So we just got to base it on Jacinta Calvillo rank amongst those grapplers we just talked about? No, probably not. She's not nearly as big or strong as any of them. She doesn't have the credentials as any of them. So to think that she's going to lean on this game plan of just going in there and taking down Jessica I. I'm not so sure. And as far as the striking match goes, I think I've got her. I mean, she's a much better technical boxer. And Cindy Calvillo's kind of been like an MMA vagabond at this point, right? She, I forget where she started out, but she obviously notoriously ended up at Team Alpha Male. She's at Alpha Male for a couple fights. And then Justin Buckles is her head coach. Buckles splits with Alpha Male. He goes back to Alaska. He also makes some super disparaging comments about women's MMA, being like, women shouldn't fight. They're, they don't have any talent. Like, this is a joke. Super weird. So she splits from alpha male and then did a nine-week camp at Tiger Muay Thai leading into the Marina Rodriguez fight. Problem is that her striking didn't look any better. I mean, she was getting cleanly outstruck in that fight just before leading on her wrestling. I thought she lost the first round. I thought she lost the second round. The third round, she completely dominates, but doesn't dominate pillar to post. Dominates the majority of the round. Like 45 seconds left, Rodriguez gets up, and bang, bang. Calvillo's tired again. And that's where I'm getting back to these variables that Jessica I have. This guy's got to keep this fight saying to win it, right? The one variable there is that she has decent takedown defense, but also she's a naturally bigger fighter. So that should help her. Also, she's got a much better gas tank than Cavio. calvio basically tires out in all of her fights. And I mean, even go back to the Courtney Casey fight, right? She wins the first two rounds. She flat out gases out in the third round, gets outstruck by Courtney Casey. The Marina Rodriguez fight, she just gets outstruck for the majority of it, has that big third round. Well, that saves her and gets her a draw. Um, the Carlos Sparza fight, gassed out the whole time. Joanne Calderwood fight, gassed out pretty early. She wins a lot of those fights, maybe you give her a pass on it, but this is a bad situation to be in a 5 round main event at a new weight class for the first time. And by the way, I mentioned that she went to Tiger Muay Thai for the last fight. She's at AKA now for this fight. It's just she's moved around a lot. There's a lot of question marks. If it's even money, like I I would say pass is probably the smart play, taking the fight to go decision. Whoever you take, I or Calvio, take them to win by decision. That's how you'll get some increased value on it. But this is this stream's 5 rounds kickboxing type fight. Could go either way. Could be a split. I'm thinking I's going to get the decision. You know, she's from Vegas now. Like she's originally from Ohio, obviously, but she's been in Vegas the last couple of years. They're giving her a decent little spot here. She looked good at her last time out against Viviana Arroyo after getting knocked out by Shevchenko. Mm-hmm. So cleared the cobwebs. Uh, 33. That's maybe half concerning. It's a year older than Calvillo, who's shockingly 32. Right. We think about Calvillo as a prospect on yep. her way up. She's pretty much as polished as she's going to get. And the very last thing I want to say is that on the broadcast last week. When they talked about oh next week's main event, da 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 da, Cindy Calvillo, uh, DC commented really quick and he's like oh yeah she's at our gym now and you know she's spending a lot of time learning how to wrestle. Isn't that a weird statement to make considering she spent three four five years of her life at Alpha Male <laughs> learning how to wrestle. more or less exclusively? Yeah, What's, learning how to wrestle. So when he yeah. when he says yeah, I oh she's in say our gym, learning that how to too, wrestle. So. Was she, she going to realistically learn at 32 in a new gym in a new setting? And is he just divulging her game plan where it's like, yeah, she knows she can't strike with eye. She's just going to try to wrestle. So, by the way, the reason it's probably a pass and not just a no. straight-up eye pick is because the way to beat eye, yeah, yeah, just get those takedowns. I just don't know that I trust 125 Calvillo to do it consistently over five. That's my play. Well, it's not well, mine. It's,
0: it's a pick 'em. It's a pick 'em price. I mean, there's <clears> so <throat> yeah. many different odds. I sent you a screenshot uh, to your Twitter DMs, so – Follow, yeah, we should follow along with those ones we're on the same page. Here, Cody, we're gonna test out the uh, the amount of delay here. All right. So when I stop talking, I want you to go woof woof. All right. Here we go, evil. Here we go.
1: Bark, bark.
0: That was a little bit late. Um, Jessica, I'm in. I love this spot for her, and I've never actually loved a spot for Jessica I before. She's a natural 125er. I mean, she did miss weight obviously last time out, so she even struggles to make this weight. Um, she is bigger, stronger, longer reach. I think her wrestling may even be better. Like Sarah McMahon was stable to take her down two or five. Now I realize that that was an absolute stare fest, but just the fact that you can go in there against an Olympian, like I. I know that Cynthia Calvillo, when she gets to the ground, she has pretty good ga- uh, back takes. She can do some nice grappling, and submission skills are probably pretty good. Probably a little bit better than I's. I don't know if she can submit her, but that would be the path. But I just don't know how she gets the fight there. I don't like her striking whatsoever. Um, I think this is a really good spot for I. I think people don't like betting I. And, and yeah, what was the last thing I was going to say? Oh, yes, the gym. Here's the thing about it. All right. So when she was at Team Alpha Male, you know, she had Paige Van Zandt there and there was a bunch of other fighters. I know AKA is a great gym, but we're in quarantine time. So if she was, she fought back in like, what, January? Then we've had the last three months have been an absolute nightmare. I'm sure the gym is pretty sparse. But here's the real question I have, Cody. What elite females fight out of AKA?
1: Yeah, they I got see a pictures of. Team, but I know what you're
0: saying. I see pictures of her with like Kane Velasquez, like hitting mitts and stuff. and It's just like I've seen on her Instagram. I w- looked through to see what she was up to. And it's just like, well, that's all well and good. I'm sure he's very like he's it's inspirational and he's helping you learn things about the game. But like, you're not getting one-on-one, uh, you know, combat with him. Like, I don't know who her training partners would be there. Obviously, it's all kind of up in the air. Whereas Jessica I comes into this having stability and she's been at. Uh, she's been fighting out of Vegas for a little bit now. And yeah, she obviously b- botched the weight cut last time out, but that just kind of shows how big she is. Like, I mean, as somebody who already played a bet on Jessica Evil Eye at minus 110, not going to lie, Cody, I kind of hope that she comes in a little bit heavy too uh, on this one. Because if Cynthia Calvia's only way to win this fight is to uh, wrestle against the much bigger, stronger, she's going to gas out. So I actually really like the spot for Eye. I already put. Uh, I have a uh, one to one? No, it's a two two units to win one You or to win sorry, two point two units to win uh two units. Sorry, I don't usually do that type oh, of weekend.
1: Yeah, so yeah. I'm actually
0: I'm in on her. I think uh I think this is actually a good spot. I think uh, Cynthia Calvia is overhyped, and she hasn't fought anybody, especially at this weight class. Uh, that she, You know, she won't be ready for this. Uh, let's move on. Sorry, I'm a little bit scatterbrained here today. We had a little bit of technical difficulties earlier on. All right, we move on down to the card to another fight that we already broke down a few weeks ago. If you want to look up, like, a really, really cringy exchange after Kyle Roberson was forced to pull out of his fight with Marvin Vittori. I mean, it kind of... Showed that Marvin Vittori, the rumors about him may be true. Guy seems like a bit of an asshole. Uh, but he's a pretty talented asshole. He's minus 230, taking on Carl Roberson. He could be added for plus 190. We were on here before. It was around like minus 180, plus 160 before when this fight was booked. Now you add those extra points. We were picking Vittori, and I was a little bit hesitant to like jump on and pay the juice for that. Now that it's up at 230, it's an easy pass, but I do think Vittori wins. He's the uh, more well-rounded skill set all the way around for him. Obviously, Carl Roberson, kickboxer, can probably cause some problems for Vittori on the feet. But, you know, Vittori went the distance with Adesanya. Guy's super, super solid. Good good training camp or good gym that he comes out of. Good, well-rounded skill set. Uh, I like him, but 230 is a little bit too much for me to pay well about you.
1: Yeah, I mean, the first time around, he was basically like the play of the week at 165. And I know there was a lot of money starting to come into him uh, on him prior to the fight getting canceled. And then that hotel exchange, which just kind of reinforced the fact that, like, this kid wants to fight bad, man. Marvin Vittori's had a lot of fights canceled on him. He's in the prime of his life, considering, you know, he's 26 years old. He just is chomping on the bit and wants to fight bad. Now, you and I talked about how serious this kid takes his strength and conditioning. And I mean, you see him. He takes his strength and conditioning seriously, which is why when the fight got canceled and he ran into Carl Roberson in the hotel, see, all that strength and conditioning was just fucking (laughs) pulsing through his veins, right? That's Like if we started when it came up and been like pissing this cup, the strength and conditioning probably would have burned clean through the fucking plastic. He was fired up. So I, I, I do kind of worry that like you rebook it exactly four weeks later, he was clearly peaking. His body was physically peaking for the fight. And you talk to athletes getting ready, they'll, they'll say that. You train your training camp, you get ready, you peak, you go out, you compete. A lot of fighters will peak, then they'll come down, then they'll take this leg of a couple of weeks off, try to get jumped back into it, not quite get going. Uh, not that it really matters, but remember that Antonina Shevchenko versus Kaitlyn game fight? Antonina's walking to the ring, and then Anna, whoever the fuck it is, one of the announcers is like, or on the content is like, oh, her coach has said she's peaked three times during this camp because the coronavirus got you know, and got pushed back and she should be in great shape. And she, she, I mean, it wasn't a great matchup for her stylistically, obviously with the wrestling, but she just looks super flat. And I think that goes back to you're getting ready for a fight. You're getting ready for this date. The guy weighs in Vittori's ready to go. The fight gets canceled. Massive adrenaline dump. You confront this guy in the hotel. Now, four weeks later, you got to get back in there. He's at a bigger price tag. Obviously, I don't like him as much as I liked him then, but I still still do like him. I mean, the only really issue that he had is he's a generalist in that he doesn't have great wrestling, doesn't have great striking, doesn't have great jujitsu. He does everything kind of well, Mm -hmm. but he was kind of lacking on fight experience and cardio. It seems like he's come a long way in that he shored that up. And I think that his advantages here is that he's super cast iron as far as striking goes. Like he can take a good punch. Carl Roberson, I mean, he kind of relies on hurting guys early, rocking guys early, but then eventually when he gets taken down, he just looks like a fish out of water. But Torrey should have enough standing that he's going to be able to take his best punches, move forward. It's whether he's going to get a hold of them, peel them down and, you know, just go through the motions for at least two of the three rounds, get the decision. I think he does. 230 is not a great price tag. We liked it at 165. I bet it at 185. I bet it at 200. But just keep in mind, with with the show last week, and yeah, we were totally off on Hooper. It didn't fucking matter what you bet him at. It was a bad bet. Mm-hmm. But when we talked about the show, we were like, yeah, geez, the kid opened at 110. He's the underdog. He's at 145 now that we're doing the show. That's probably as much as you want to pay for him, buyers beware. Yeah, I did tweet out. I'm adding him to parlays and all that. But, but keep in mind, the fucking guy went off at like 220. Like, There's no way in hell you bet him at 220. 45 was pushing it. Vittori sim- is similar. At 220, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm actually going to add him on some and I probably will tweet that out. However, keep in mind, if, if this guy line keeps going up for whatever reason, I guess 240, 260, it's not a great price tag to begin with. I'm not betting him straight up. I want to parlay him because I feel like he's one of the somewhat safer picks on the card and he doesn't have great value, so I have to parlay him up. But, yeah, there's no denying that. He, I wanted him I wanted him four weeks ago when he was a much better price tag and it felt like mm. great matchup. It turns out Roberson's a little bit sick. Now Roberson's probably over whatever the hell he had. Uh, I I don't know. It's just a little riskier. But yeah, no, Vittori is the play. I gotta stick with him. I think he's gonna get the fight to the ground. When he does get the fight to the ground, it'll be enough to win those decisions or win the round and get the decision.
0: And the one and the other thing about it is that Vittori on like that previous card that was supposed to be on two forty nine, wasn't it? Yeah. So on that card, it was kind of one of the ones that really flew underneath the radar on this one, especially when you, like, at the end when we talk about DraftKings, it's like when you really start to look through the slate, you're like, man, it's pretty devoid of options around these parts, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like now that it's on a card not surrounded by the same amount of talent, it kind of sticks out as a spot that you want to get on. But yeah, 230 is a little bit too much. Let's move on down. We have Mirab Devalishvili taking on Ray Borg. Devaleshvi Dvalishv- is minus four twenty, and Rayborg can be had for plus three thirty-five. Here's the exact reason why we told or why we thought when Rayborg decided to move up to one thirty-five because he couldn't continue to make one twenty-five. Mirab Devalshvili is the exact reason why Rayborg's skill set doesn't transfer up. Um, Rayborg may be faster, may have the better technique in this fight. But the size is going to matter, and Mirab doesn't get tired. So I'm not really – the price is obviously super, super wide. Ray Borg is a very talented guy, but I feel like size is really going to matter here. It's hard not to pick Devalishvili. The price is lopsided, but I think it's going to be a really rough night for Borg. What about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to imagine. So the UFC's done a great job of giving Borg a lot of favorable matchups in the past. But, I mean, this one doesn't look like that favorable matchup that he's been accustomed to. It, it, his best strength was at 125. He'd usually either miss weight or if he did make weight, he's just much larger than that 125. He's a good wrestler. He's relentless. He keeps on you. He matches up extremely good with a lot of guys in the division. That was his success obviously fighting at 135 is not for him and the fact that he beats gabriel silva at 135 and then immediately is like i got to get back down to 125 his next time out is just an indicator though he can win at 135 against low level competition but even he knows in victory this is not the weight class for me i'm not having my way in the wrestling i'm not having my way in the grappling i don't have this sizable strength advantage ricky simon ricky simon is a short little tank engine has good wrestling you know it doesn't have a great chin But Borg's not a great striker, and that that was the problem there. His path to victory was probably sting the guy standing, and he just wasn't able to do it. When he wasn't able to do it, you saw Ricky Simon was a better wrestler than him. He was stronger than him. He was more aggressive than him. It's a split decision, but, like, I don't know who the hell scored that thing for Borg. Ricky Simon wins that fight pretty clear in my eyes. So, he's going to have problems. Now, instead of dropping down to 125, which I think is off the table, he's missed way too many times, he's got to take a fight at 135. It's just crazy that they give him Ricky Simon 2.0. You know, like, they give... He's stronger than Ricky Simon. He's a better wrestler than Ricky Simon. He's more relentless than Ricky Simon. He's got a better chin than Ricky Simon. And yes, ironically enough, Ricky Simon beat Marab Davashvili with a bullshit guillotine. TKI, that, that shit still stings me because I thought Davashvili should have won. Regardless, all it is is just like an upgrade from one to another. So that's no good. Now, now, we got to look at price 100% here. Minus 420 for Murab Like that's a big price tag. Obviously, you're going to have to parlay him now and put him on different tickets and this and that. I think he's safe. However, you got to look at track record here. Track record suggests Murab Devashvili is just not a finisher. He's relentless. He mm-hmm. puts it on you. He keeps pounding away. But the guy's not finishing Terry Ware. He's not finishing Brad Katona. He's not finishing Casey Kenny. He's not finishing a whole lot of guys. I, I would say it's pretty comfortable as this fight's going to go in the decision because Bork, meanwhile, I mean, he's pretty durable as well. He's losing these fights. He's getting out grappled guy guys that are bigger than him, but he's not getting finished. In fact, I mean, he very rarely gets finished outside of a fifth round arm bar against Demetrius Johnson once upon a time. Like, the guy's super durable. So all logic dictates that this fight is going to be a grappling exchange. It's going to be more of a wrestling match. It's going to go three rounds. Devashvili's bigger, stronger, and has great cardio. He'll push the pace, he'll get the decision. But surely this guy's going to win a decision. And looking at the prop on that Debashvili really by decision is minus 185. Wow, that is infinitely better than 420, which I'm not behind. I, the number's fine, don't get me wrong. I love that side <laughs> of it. But it's a it's a big price tag. I think he's going to win a decision. I got to chase those points. And so you parlaying a, a decision prop is not the smartest thing in the world. However, it does feel like this one's pretty safe to go to decision. If you got DeVaughn Feely, which I do, oddsmakers are on his side. money still continuing to come in on him. We're, in, we're, we're, we're backing him here. I'm thinking decision's the way to go to try to, try to save that little extra bit.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, let's move on. We got Andre Touchy Feely taking on Charles Jourdain. Andre Touchy Feely can be ha- or sorry, is minus 225. Jordan, plus 185. Who do you got here?
1: I got Andre Feely all day. I think Andre Feely is just a much more rounded fighter at this point. He's got a much better diverse skill set. And, like, there's no doubt about it that Charles Jordan is exciting. And he goes for it. And he throws bombs. And he's... You know, dynamic and he's a little awkward and he's hard to read his timing, but like all, all of that's going to be out the window against a much more technical fighter. I mean, I didn't think jumping up from TKO to the UFC that he was going to be ready for this anyhow. And him taking a relatively short notice fight up away class against Des Green, I mean, it just screamed here's a guy that was a champ champ in TKO, you know, one of their fan favorites, and he's taking a short notice fight in Des Green's own backyard, by the way. Like, it, I didn't understand that matchup. He loses the fight, didn't give a great account of himself. In TKO, he could not wrestle. Turns out against Des Green, who's a competent wrestler, can't really wrestle all that well. The Duho Choi fight, Yeah, I'm all on Duho Choi here as well. I think Duho Choi is a better striker. He packs a harder punch. You know, He is also a prospect. I, I would say more refined, but again, the guy's very green and kind of loopy himself. He wins the first round all day. The second round, all of a sudden, he starts to tire. All of a sudden, and this just goes back to Duda Ho Choi maybe being a busted prospect, he's got issues, man. The later the fights go, I mean, he looked great against Cub Swanson early, faded hard. He looked great, won the first round against Jeremy Stevens. Fades hard and gets knocked down in the second. Looked great against Charles Rodin. Fades hard and gets caught in the second. So maybe that was just like an over-evaluation of Duho Choi. So you can't discredit Jordan. He landed a beautiful shot. He kept on this guy. His cardio, even, by, by the way, like I say, he can't wrestle. He's a little bit green. He's a little bit loopy. His cardio checks out. Guy's always pushing the pace. Guy's always going for it. But against Andre Feely, he's just giving up multiple, multiple paths to victory. Andre Feely can take this guy. I, I would think Andre Feely can take him down at will. When he does get him down, Jordane loves to attack off his back. But like Feely's a good grappler. Guys aren't just catching Feely um for the most part yeah i mean once upon a time against uh beppe but you know what i mean like he's mm-hmm. a guy that spent a lot of time in, in grappling positions he seems to just be getting better every time out he's taken on you know uh, dennis bermudis dennis Bermudez is a black belt and he's also a former d1 collegiate wrestler feely taking this guy down out grappling against that decision that means something the miles jury fight miles jury is a black belt not a great wrestler same thing it's like he can outstrike these strikers he can out wrestle some wrestlers not bad. Knocks out of Shane Marais. Great. But so did Youssef his last time out. That's why we're getting a decent enough price tag. Yeah, he lost to a super prospect. And I get, but, but again, he gave an okay account of himself. And I think he just matches up tremendously well against Charles Roday. I'd love to say, again, decision, just because Feely uh, got a lot of decisions on his record. Charles Rodin, meanwhile, very durable. I think the path for Feely is take this guy down. Just you know, take this guy down and comfortably defeat him. As far as the fight stays standing, Charles Roday just rushes forward, and he leaves so many openings. Feely has a nasty jab. That jab should land all day, but even if Charles Lodaine eventually just gets tired of eating the jab and decides, you know what, I got to crash the pocket, close that distance, that's where the takedown should open up for him. So it it should work out both ways for Feely. He's got some teammates on the card, should be in good shape, you know, hearing good things out of them. I I would have to say that he gets the decision. And listen, I'm not telling you anything you probably don't know. Looking at the line, 225, Andre Feely Mm. seems about right. But again, you're going back to Jordan's one and one in the UFC. He's 24 years old. You go back to Andre Feely. You know, he's been a prospect for a while, but he's 29 now. He's much more mature. He's fought Yair Rodriguez. He's fought in Calvin Cater. He's fought in Michael Johnson. Like, th- this guy has fought a lot of top guys, always brings it, always gets a little bit better. It goes back to Caceres versus Hooper, right? We should have seen it. We talked about it, but we didn't fucking play. We didn't. We didn't go with that gut feeling where it's like, dude, one guy's 30 years old and a 21-fight UFC veteran taking on a 20-year-old kid with one fight. Jordan's still got a long ways to go. At 28, 29, he might be a decent prospect. But still at 24, he's very green. He has two fights in the UFC. Feely was that guy once upon a time, but he's made a lot of improvements. He's a more polished fighter. I think he gets the job done under Feely by decision. I
0: don't really have anything to add to that. I agree with just about everything you said. So let's move on. We've got Jordan Espinosa taking on Mark De La Rosa. Espinosa, minus 160 favorite, uh, Mark De La Rosa could be had for plus 140. Jordan, uh, I mean, if it wasn't COVID times, I would say this is probably kind of like a pick, uh, pink slip fight. You got Jordan Espinoza coming off of two straight losses, both by first round submission. Uh, Mark De La Rosa fancies himself a grappler. He's coming off of three straight losses, most of them by decision. I think what this comes down to is I think Jordan Espinoza's speed is going to be the big difference in this fight. It's not one that I really want to bet because, you know, this is a guy who's got – if Mark De La Rosa is able to get him to the ground, I wouldn't be shocked to see him be able to find a submission early on in this. But I think the speed of Jordan Espinosa, and I'm not all that impressed by the wrestling of Mark De La Rosa. I feel like Jordan Espinosa can kind of dance around on the outside, not get in too too much trouble and uh, win a decision victory here what do you think
1: yeah i'm gonna agree but however jordan espinoza has apple pie shitter written <laughs> yeah. all over sure. him. and this is this is just the way he is he's very fast he is very athletic he's a guy that spent a lot of time at latrell mma but mostly jackson's mma now and i mean damn i mean if you just want to compare pure athleticism and speed through the first five minutes like this guy compares with the best of them but that's exactly it. After the first five minutes, he seems to just kind of fall apart. Grappling's always been an issue for him. I mean, prior to coming to the UFC, he's obviously got a couple notable um, submission losses on his record. And then in, in the UFC, his last two, maybe not a great indication. Like, Perez is the man now. Like, Perez is just on an absolute rampage, tearing through guys. That one doesn't feel so bad. The Matt Chanel fight, he had his way. He took Chanel down, ran to his guard, got triangle choke clearly he's still dealing with these grappling problems and, and then where i say he might be an apple pie shitter is that de la rosa really only has one path of victory mm-hmm. which is he's, he is a bjj black belt and he yep. should p- probably try to catch him with something along the way now espinosa is going to be way faster than him he beats him with the punch in the first round he can take him down if he wants in the first round if not he's just too elusive his kick games are way rangier mm-hmm. he, he he chews up de la rosa in the first round of the feet on, on second round if de la rosa's, you know got the grit to him and this is a pink slip fight i agree with you you got de la rosa's two and four in the ufc his wins over the no talent cousin of the Pettis is elias garcia and a split decision over Joby Sanchez. Mm-hmm. so regardless that roley and pavis kick ass Alex it's perez's kick ass kekar france you know pretty good tim elliott you know fucking very solid e- even though he is losing the to top guys you can't discredit him for that he's operating at a pretty low level and so just going back to the apple pie shit thing it's like i, I really see jordan espinoza outclassing this guy for, for his first two rounds mm-hmm. it's if the fight goes later and Espinosa being that quick and athletic and having that much movement, you do exert a lot of energy. If he exerts a lot of energy and he gets tired and he has subpar uh, submission defense and he's taking on a black belt, it could be a problem. But when I say black belt, it's kind of loose. Like De is 25 years old. He's not a world champion black belt. He's just a guy that's probably been doing jujitsu for a long time out of Texas, has a black belt you know, but uh, Matt doesn't have one and he just threw up the triangle like not, Like Espinoza didn't even know what a triangle was never seen that fucking shit come <laughs> it, it, it gets classic apple pie shit, like the price isn't good enough for me to take that go on it mm-hmm. 160 Espinosa, because he has lost his last two fights, he's been submitted it's a stylistical fight that matches up for him but at least his opponent does have that path of victory to defeat him I, I do have him, I think he does get the job done, however I'd be very weary to go big on him or add him to parlays just because there is a history of just uh, no no confidence. You can't confidently back this guy and be like, all right, we're getting the job done. We're rolling this one through. I feel good about Felix. I have confidence in feel. I feel good about Devaj. I have confidence in the price has kind of got me off. I fight. You're more confident in that one than me. But coming back to this one, like it's probably past situation because of 160. However, Espinosa is the pick.
0: Same page there. We got Maria Agapova taking on Hannah Cyphers. Actually, the... The DraftKings pricing for these people came out in between. The board's up right now. Um, yeah, whatever. They're $8,700 and uh, 7500 So, but yeah, they're 225 and Cana can Cyphers can be had for plus 175 You got any hot takes here? Obviously, Cy- Cyphers coming on short notice after getting, I mean, she took no damage. She was winning the fight right up until the point that she tapped against uh, Mackenzie Dern um uh, hannah cyphers maria agapova agapova doesn't like from watching her on the contender series the wrestling looks looks pretty subpar tracy cortez dominated most of that fight um there was a few scrambles and whatnot but uh can hannah cyphers go after that game because i think she may be a little bit outclassed on the feet hannah cyphers is pretty tough Um, she's probably, she's not dealing with the sub uh, submission issues that she did in her last fight, but it's a quick turnaround. She's not exactly all that big and she's moving up to, or no, they were at fly. Was she have no show it. Yeah. So she's moving up to flyweight. So obviously cutting a little bit less for this. She's probably going to be undersized. I don't know. I don't really have, I'm talking kind of around in the circle. I have no interest in betting this fight. What about you?
1: Yeah, it's just not a great price tag. I want to initially talk myself into ciphers a little bit and maybe try to take a poke at that underdog money. I mean, Mary Agapova at 245 is just another risky. Look, we're getting big price tags on just unproven mm-hmm. prospects. And Agapova fits that a bill to a T. I mean, she's 23 years old. This is her UFC debut. She didn't look very good on the contender series. Well, one would have to think betting her 240 against... I'm not going to say a proven commodity in Cyphers. Like, Cyphers has looked very spotty at times, but, like, at least there is something there, right? Now, Cyphers will have her best uh, success in the clinch, right? Cyphers is very, very strong in the clinch. I mean, they always talk about that whole farm girl strength and the girl that spends her time hanging, she's very strong. Even you look at her last fight, uh, Mackenzie Dern, is not the strongest, but is a big gal. Like, she can't... She's not having nothing to do on the feet. Cyphers just bucks her off like nothing. Agapova, meanwhile... Not even just a Tracy Cortez fight. Cortez just takes her down when she wants. It's pretty much all of her fight. You can control this girl pretty easy off against the cage. And I think that's largely just because she's tall for the weight class. Five foot six. Uh, she's long. She's rangy. She's kind of awkward with her movements. If Cypher stays at range, I think she's got a serious problem. Hannah Cypher stands at five foot one. And has a 62 inch reach. Whereas Agapova stands at five foot six with a seventy-inch reach, she's gonna have her outgunned eight inches on in the reach department, as well as an additional five inches in the height department. Cypher's likes she comes up short on a lot of her punches. That's gonna be the exact same case here. Agapova, meanwhile, throws a ton of kicks, just keeps on. You has a great gas tank, keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. Keeps going. When Tracy Cortez is getting her down, she's getting back up to her feet. She's back to her feet. She's overexerting herself, spending a little too much energy. But she, it's a work in progress. It's that you just see this girl's way too green. It's the two fights since then for Invicta FC, where the first one, Alexa Connors, um, stings this girl with a nasty kick to the body, keeps on her, good knees, good elbows, good, you know, just pouring it on, and then eventually gets the standing rear naked choke, throws her to the ground, gets the submission, nice. Next fight against Mariela Santos, same thing, striking on point, gets this girl to the ground, gets on top of her, pounds her away. The, the turnaround for me between the fight with Tracy Cortez and those other two teams, or those other two fights, ATT, baby, when she came in against Tracy Cortez, she was an unproven fighter from Kazakhstan. She had spent basically her entire career fighting in Kazakhstan, and you did see she was still green. She was talented. She had some tricks up her sleeve, but it wasn't a full-based MMA game plan. Her last two fights, they have both been first-round knockouts. I would have liked to see them get dragged out a little bit later, see how she translates into those later rounds. However, both of those fights, she's been full-time at Coconut Creek, Florida. That's the exact reason why this, this card was supposed to be in Kazakhstan. They put her on the card. Hey, hey, this is great. We're going to showcase her. But when the falls apart... Yeah, everybody on the cards fell off except for her because she's Florida-based, right? She's already in Florida. So I would say Cypher's coming up to make this fight possible. She's giving up a ton of size. And whereas, yes, she does have the advantage in the the clinch game. She has no wrestling to fall back on. And Hannah Pfeiffer is too much of a warrior to just fight a game plan of, I'm going to hold this bitch against the cage for 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like she's too much of a warrior in that I will stand here and throw and get hit and give you an exciting fight. Then I will do whatever means necessary to grind out a crappy win. And that'll, that'll be her downfall (laughs) is that going back to her wrestling, she has had one takedown in her five UFC fights. It was over Jody Escabel. Jody Escobel also took her down three times. Angela Hill took her down. Um, her wrestling is just not good enough, I think, to use that game plan of just smothering Agapova for 15. It'll probably mostly play outstanding. Agapova will just tee off on of this girl at range. She'll go for it. She'll get the decision. If it goes to decision, maybe she stops Cyphers if Cypher just takes too much damage along the way. But uh, Agapova, again, it's not a great price tag. You've got an unproven fighter here. However, from what we have seen, and it's not going to be a, a full venue of screaming fans, maybe the adrenaline dump's not quite an issue, and she can relax, and she can do her thing and get the victory. But it, it's not a great price tag. is up.
0: We have Kevin Aguilar taking on Charles Rosa at 155 pounds. Aguilar, minus 185. Rosa, plus 160. You have anything here?
1: Yeah, well, so at this point, it's like I need to get me a dog in. And it's not that I love Rosa straight up as that underdog, but, like, the pricing is definitely off on here. I I wouldn't want Kevin Aguilar as a minus 185 favorite over pretty much everybody. And and I know this guy is talented, and he has fought some top guys, and maybe I'm giving him an unfair shake. I mean, Danny Gaines, who got his last two fights, that's tough. Got a win over our boy Enrique Barzola once upon a time. But it's just the fact that he's too big of a price tag in that – where where does he comfortably win this fight, right? Does he take Charles Rosa down? I don't think so. Does he out grapple Charles Rosa? Gee, they'd be pretty competitive as far as grappling goes. So now he needs to stand up and outstrike Charles Rosa, which makes a lot of sense. He's the better striker, and Charles Rosa hasn't it. But here's Rosa's problem he doesn't have a whole lot of power, so he relies on volume. And, and Aguilar, meanwhile, Aguilar has power, he doesn't really rely on volume. The best output he's had is over Rick Glenn, who's just defensively extremely irresponsible. After that, it's like a little bit of grappling in the fights, a little bit of striking in the fight, so he's not getting off. His chin might be a little bit suspect, but Rosa is not knocking out anybody, so he shouldn't have a problem with that. I just look at Rosa in that fights like the Shane Burgos fight or the Kyle Bokniak fight, right? Those guys are good with adequate strikers, stand in the pocket with him, and they were striking battles. He has 92 strikes landed on Bokniak. He has 86 on Burgos before getting knocked out in the third round, so whatever it was. But he was up two rounds probably going into that third round. There, it, it, he's putting on the volume, right? He's putting on that volume. Aguilar, I just don't see it out of him. So listen, can Kevin Aguilar win this fight? Absolutely. But the guys match up fairly close to each other. Yes, Rose is coming up off a, a thrashing not even all that long ago, against Bryce Mitchell, and he's coming up a weight class. But let's not be mistaken here. Kevin Aguilar is coming off a knockout loss and is also moving up a weight class. So I I just, I don't know. It's hard to get a great read on it, but I'm thinking that this fight could be close. It could be competitive. And then you look at a line of 185 Aguilar versus 165 Rosa or 160 Rosa. I'm just not fully agreeing with it. So I'd have to say there's just a little too much love on the angel of death, Kevin Aguilar. And I would say that this is probably a straight up pass or in my case, a dogger pass. Let's not forget that prior to Aguilar coming to the UFC, he got his contract on contender series with a split decision whenever Joey Gomez, right? Mm -hmm. A a UFC veteran himself. I, I, I... think that this guy's entertaining you watch his lfa career he's literally action personified but in doing so you're gonna give up some edges to a guy that's not looking for some action fight he's looking to pick his spot to fight the good game plan and that's rosa's thing now we're talking about cyphers is not willing to do what she needs to do to win a board decision at this point rosa is because rosa's been fighting in the ufc for like eight years he's like eight fights like he's 33 he needs to get on with in life he needs a win and so I think that he'll fight that smart game plan and do enough to edge it. This is probably a pass again, but because it's, I'm thinking, you know, probably a pass And the lines showing nearly a two to one favor of Aguilar with money rolling in still. Mm-hmm. I got I got to think at least Rosa on a small little play.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Well, you think, do you think it's 50, 50? Like how would you, like if they fought 10 times, how do you think this shakes out?
1: Yeah, if they fight ten times, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I'd want to say maybe six four Aguilar, but yeah. realistically, it's, Which, like it's a fist fight. Who knows? They get they have similar skill sets.
0: Exactly. So, sixty percent implied probability would be minus one fifty. They're just charging you a little bit too much for it, right? They're charging you at like sixty five percent right now, and yeah, you're paying an extra thirty points of juice. It's just not uh, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. At the as they would like to say, I. I think I like gun, yep, yep. gun gun to my head. I'm picking Aguilar. I just think that as long as Rosa can't, if if Rosa can't turn this into like any sort of scrambles and, and can't take them down, Aguilar I do like a lot more on the feet. And all fights start on the feet. But yeah, I'm not I'm not betting it at that price either. We got Julia Avila taking on Gina Mazani. Avila is a minus five twenty five favorite. Mazani a plus four fifteen. Um, so, here's the other bet that I am on. I made it early in the week. I DM'd it to Cody Saftik. He saw it. Um, the line has, like, spiraled out of, uh, out of control since I did it. But I parlayed uh, Julia Avila here against Gina Mazzani with Curtis Blades on next week's card. I had it, like, minus 400 and minus 225. Those lines have moved quite a bit. Still don't mind the play. I just think you look through Gina Mazzani's career – um, one and three in the UFC. Um, and it's been pretty rough, especially like when she gives up any sort of grappling advantage, uh, advantage. Now, in fairness, she was like on short notice coming in against Sarah McMahon and just got absolutely bullied. What else here? Oh, so she's coming off of a knockout in her last fight, Gina Mazzani. <laughs> and it's over like a 44 year old Look her up, Val Barney. Look up, yeah, Valerie Barney. Yeah, look at everybody get, listening right now. If you want to pause, go look at it. Like you, you can see what what was the situation here. Uh, I'll level with all of you guys. I didn't love what I saw from Julie Evila in her UFC de- debut against Penny Kienzad. There were a few things I didn't like. She kind of charges in on her strikes. Uh, she just kind of runs in, and it's. It's dangerous, but, you know, at 135-pound women's, the one risk I do see is Mazzani's got a decent straight left. Like, maybe she could clip Evla, but at the price that I got in at, I'm willing to take that risk. That's not going to happen. And the final thing I wanted to say, and this is going to sound really harsh, but we're in the gambling business. Like, you got to think about these things. So Gina Mazzani, when she fought... Uh, the val barney or whatever that was at 155 pounds i believe gina mazzani had had like a kid pretty recently and so i guess she was coming back so i was at 155 this is at 135 that was back in like just january or something like that so it was quite a bit of time but I, she's dating tim elliott right now right yeah and i this is where i said i'm gonna sound like a bit of a dick but what happened with Tim Elliott when he came with his last fight? He came out way too hot and gassed in the second round. I mean, they're spending all that time together. I don't know if Gina Mazzani is going to look like the best form of herself uh, coming into this. She's just a local fighter in Vegas. They needed a fighter on short notice. Sign her back up after she had just been cut and knocked out like a 44-year-old uh, soccer mom, Mike. I, I think Avala, if she gets this to the ground, her ground transitions look pretty solid. Uh, on the feet, I think she's got a pretty big advantage. She's really nasty in the clinch. I really like her any- everywhere this fight goes. The price is super high, but I still think you can parlay it. Like I, I f- feel like fading Gina Mazzani is a, a long-term winning solution. What about you?
1: No, I hear it. yeah, dude. I mean, if you're in Las Vegas, you need a screwed opponent. Who you going to call? Gina Mazzani. She ain't scared of no loss. Like, yeah, she's in Vegas, local. They need somebody. Gina Mazzani's is getting the call. If you want to talk in-depth about Valerie Barney, by the way. Valerie Barney, yeah, 44 years old. Valerie Barney, that was her first fight in nine years. She hadn't competed since 2011, which she had lost to a debuting fighter, by the way. And then nine years later, (laughs) the Cards King of the Cage golden fight. More like Golden Girls, man. What, what was she even <laughs> thinking getting in there and doing it? Crazy, crazy. But, yeah, Gina gets the win there. And, again, the UFC needs to fill this. I think Avila has a little bit of um, – I want to say a little bit of hype. She didn't – yeah, she didn't look spectacular in her UFC debut. But here's somebody that looks pretty Zed's good a in and a decent fighter, too. Yeah, Penny Kianzad, you know, ultimate fighter finalist. Someone who is a little bit more proven, has more experience, certainly. Fought in Europe um yeah it's not the worst fight it's also your debut she looked good when she was in victor fc i mean her only loss is due to a hand injury she broke her hand early on it's it's the thing is, is that like she's such a like uh she's had such a weird career and that like we we're just talking about valerie barney like valerie barney weird career how do you fight gina Mazzani after a nine year layoff at age 44 but like she had fought holly holm in a kickboxing match in like 2002 she had a crazy mm-hmm. story and look like julia avila In her MMA debut, she beats Marion Renault, right? That's notable because Renault goes on to fight in the UFC, fights some decent opposition, gives a great account of herself, not a world champion, not a world champion contender. But again, that's a solid victory, especially as your MMA debut. But she wins that fight in 2012. That's eight years ago she beats Renault. And then and then she vanishes for four years, comes back, wins one, comes back in twenty seventeen, beats Nico Montana. Notable because Nico Mateno goes on to win the ultimate fighter and then becomes the first ever flyweight champ. Champion Yeah, like like, (laughs) that should have never happened. Again, (laughs) by the way, Nico Mateno, not world champion caliber, not world champion contender caliber. But those are some notable wins right off the hop. Mm -hmm. You know, her loss to Marcia Allen. Marcia Allen's also a banger, very fucking tough. And, you know, she broke her hand. So it wasn't as if she had lost in any specific reason. And then, you know, the other fight, she looks good. But, But at this point, there's like so much time has passed. She's now 32 years old. She can wrestle, she can strike. Uh, actually, she actually ran track D1 at Notre Dame. Like this this chick is a hell of an athlete. She's got it all. She should win against Gina Mazzani with her eyes closed. But yeah, now price tag's definitely starting to get bigger. But honestly, here Gina Mazzani's only path to victory. By the way, after she got cut from the UFC, she went right into pro wrestling. Dave Mazzani, her brother, dirty Dave Mazzani. He uh he did some pro wrestling. Tim Elliott, you know, he's known to pop around those scenes. She's in Vegas. She's been doing that. I don't know how seriously she's been taking her career. You take a fight with a 44-year-old, you'll win it. Now, all of a sudden, you got a UFC call-up. You got to get down from 155 in your last fight. I mean, she probably walks around at 160 pounds. I think that's pretty fair to say. She probably walks around bigger than Tim Elliott does. Mm-hmm. Fucking guarantee she does. But now she needs to drop down to 135 on relative short notice against a fighter that's got her outgunned. Her only passive victory, even on a full camp, with a favorable matchup, is she's got to get the fight to the ground and get on top of it. She's not great off her back. Her striking is not great. She's decent in the clinch, but she needs to just peel you to the ground get on top of you. And with Avila, Avila just seems too strong. Kickdown defense is too good. And Against her grappling is like as well. Grappling looks solid. So so I think that she'll use her grappling to stuff out Mizani's attempts, break away from the clinch, keep standing. And as far as standing goes, it, 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 it kind of probably will remind you of the Macy Chase on fight where it's like maybe not the knockout, maybe not an early knockout like that, but it's like with a bigger fighter in front of her, not a bigger fighter, but a a superior striker in front of her, someone that can hold their ground, and she's not able to just get a hold of you and and slow down the action, she is outgunned. She is in trouble. I think Avila gets the job done. I think you have a good parlay, but again, we talk about the odds at the of the recording, and this is one where it's like the people in the know jumped on it right away, and now it's sitting at a, a pretty reasonable price
0: tag. Yeah, I'm seeing it as high as minus 600 as we record this on Wednesday night. Um That's getting pretty high. That's an 85% win probability. Uh, um, I feel like she probably wins 9 out of 10, if I'm being completely honest. So you could go up to minus 900. But, of course, what are you really adding to parlays at that point? Um, But, yeah, if you want to get in and you want to add her to, to parlays in the minus 500, minus 550 range, up to 600... I think that's probably where I draw the line. It's still pretty, pretty, pretty high. But I don't see many pass for Gina Mazzani here on short notice, cutting a bunch of weight after being way higher in quarantine, and her boyfriend didn't look all that good. Like, I think all the things line up for a Julia Avila. And I think Avila... I got the sense that maybe the bright lights kind of got to her in that first fight. And Panny Kianzad is a much better opponent than, than one Gina Bazzani. So I, I, love, I love the parlor. So it uh, Avala and Curtis Blades next week. So spoiler alert, I really like Curtis Blades next week. Um, moving on down, we've got Tyson Nam taking on Zaruk Adeshev. Nam, minus 180. Adeshev, plus 140. Who do you got?
1: And this is really throwing me off last minute because we were obviously getting Tyson Nam versus uh, Ryan Benoit. and that one's a little easier to cap. Tyson Nam, I mean, they, they both actually have similar skill sets wrestler, boxers. Um, ben White kind of looks for a way out, and Tyson Nam has no idea what a way out is. Like, he, he goes for it 100% of the time. Probably going to leave with Tyson Nam in that spot. Thought he had the better wrestling, thought he had the better striking, thought after a first competitive first round, he'd be okay. Now, we go to Zaruk Adeshev. Zaruk Adeshev is a total question mark in that he could win this fight if the fight stays standing. If, for whatever reason, Tyson Nam decides not to stand with this guy and take him down, which is the move, well, then he should obviously have him. I just don't know that I can trust him to do that. His UFC against Sergio Pettis, well, obviously the path of victory over Sergio Pettis is the same thing. Take him down. Don't stand with them. Don't strike with them. You can you can have limited spots of success, but you need to get a hold of this guy and get him to the ground. His inability to even attempt one single takedown allowed him to just get beaten up three rounds at range by Sergio Pettis. Adeshev will do exactly that to him unless he decides to get this fight to the ground. Now, Adeshev just has like massive question marks all over him, like like dude up and down. So he's from Uzbekistan. He's a hand-to-hand combat stylist. He's a kickboxing stylist, combat stylist. This guy does not fight professionally. He, he's got... It's all, it's all tournament martial arts, right? It's like, you know, he did good in this tournament, he didn't get in that tournament, hand to combat tournaments, low level tournaments, I might have add. But that's it, right? In 2014, he wins a green card lottery. Didn't even know what the fuck that was. Looked it up. The USA does like 55,000 of them a year or something like that. You apply for it, you can win a green card lottery. Motherfucker wins the green card lottery. They move him from Uzbekistan to Brooklyn, New York. From there, geez, you know what? He's got a striking base. He does a little bit of kickboxing. Glory, he's fought twice for glory. He's two and zero for glory. They list him as thirteen and three. He lists himself as sixteen and three as far as MMA go, or as far as the kickboxing goes. In MMA, he lost his debut again. Guy just took him down and submitted him. That was at one thirty five. After that, he dropped down to one twenty five. Wins three in a row. He's got okay power. Bellator was using him. Weird that they didn't sign this guy. Weird that he just floated out from New York, especially last minute on a UFC card. That's all strange to me, but you can watch his his last couple of glory fights online and like, dude, the dude is a fucking decent striker. He throws, he likes throwing spinning techniques. He's a little bull. He's only five for five, so he's going to be giving up two inches in height over um to, to his opponent Tyson Nam. And Tyson Nam has fought at one thirty five before. Whereas like this dude's a natural twenty five. The fight's taking place at thirty five. They're billing him as two twenty five, is moving up to thirty five. But Nam has fought at thirty five. Keep that in mind. This guy's undersized. Now Tyson Nam's Hawaiian. But the guy has literally been living in Portland, Oregon, like the last 10 fucking years. He knows how to wrestle. He's an adequate wrestler. He spent time in Russia fighting the best Russian guys, defending takedowns, grappling with these guys, putting it on them. He's got the skills. He just needs to fight a proper game plan. Because I tell you what, this, uh, this, this kid, um, Adishhev, Zacharak Adeshev, or Zaruk Adeshev, he's fast. He's fast. He doesn't seem to have a cardio issue. He'll just stay in your face and just throw, and just throw. Not the most powerful punches, but he'll keep on you, he'll throw volume, this is Tyson Nam's problem. Both of his UFC fights, Kara Frost and Sergio Pettis. He stands in front of his opponent, and lets them get off prior to him throwing his zoning punches. He'll let you land two or three before he tries to throw the counter. Even in Russia. In Russia, he made a career out of it. He waits on the counter, but that's his problem. He waits a little too long. So this kid's coming on a way left field. And I was hoping to get him for dog price. I'd be willing to take a poke at him. They got a 115 square across the map. It all comes down to Tyson Nam and his willingness to wrestle. That's the move. You need to get a hold of this kid, peel him to the ground, and after that, you fish out of water. Mm-hmm. But just like that guys fighting Giga like... Chakas, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck are you doing? Take him down. Some guys, they just don't do it. And they get outstruck. That could be the case here. So reluctantly, reluctantly as of right now, I'm going to take Tyson Nam. But honestly, if, if Adeshev becomes a dog or if Nam becomes a dog, it might just be a dog or past tense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, trusting on Tyson Dam to go for takedowns, that sounds uh that sounds risky.
1: That's that's the problem, dude. It's that at least in his last fight, he attempted mm-hmm. a couple takedowns. At least in his last fight against Kai Car France, it's like, oh, okay, he's yeah. making some type of effort to get the fight to the ground, but he's 0 for four, so he couldn't get the fight to the ground. He should have a much easier time getting this kid down than Kai Car France. However, he has to go back with that same mindset of Take this guy down because flashy striking creates a lot of openings. Catch one of these kicks. You know, this guy's off off he's off balance all the time. He just throws so much crazy shit. You know, the opening will be there. It's just you have to trust in Tyson Man's ring IQ, and that has been, you know, iffy at best in the past.
0: I mean, he's gonna end up being uh DraftKings chalk this week. He's eight thousand dollars and he's a minus one eighty favorite right now. With the fight just getting booked, that'll probably end up being like minus two twenty five. Maybe even higher if uh, if it picks up a little bit of uh, buzz or whatever around the industry. So, yeah, maybe maybe just if you don't want to bet on that fight, maybe just a lot, you know, your risk on Tyson Nam towards DraftKings. He's going to be super popular, but um, interesting play. We'll get to that all of that at the end. We have Jordan Griffin taking on Derek Minner. Jordan Griffin, minus 165 favorite. Minner can be half, plus 145. Kind of see this being like a bit of a grappling fest um and my biggest question is if minner can keep up a pace for more than like seven and a half minutes because if they get into a bit of a scramble fest jordan griffin loves that style of fight like i mean he was getting his ass beat by tj brown um and then he found that submission which is like it wasn't a great look but tj brown Kind of look pretty good at least for seven minutes. I think Derek Miner he kind of did the same thing in his like UFC debut, came out real hot, and then the guy slows right down. So give me uh Jordan Griffin in this. I think he, I I think it could be really dicey, uh, dicey watching the fight play out at the beginning. You know, he could be losing some of the exchanges early. I think he will come out in the end, though, and uh, start to take over a little bit later at the end of round one and uh, start to cruise in round two and three. What about
1: you? I got Jordan Griffin all day, and then the line opens at 2.30, and I was like, yeah, shit, and so does everybody else. And now it's it's sitting at one sixty-five. What am I missing? This is extremely playable now. I like it. Derek Minner is...
0: Yeah, yeah, wow.
1: Derek Minner. Money's coming out of Minner because people know this guy's banger boss. He absolutely goes for it. He's got a sneaky submission game. And just look at all those dicey positions. He had Grant Dawson. And Grant Dawson is proven. Grant Dawson is a good prospect. And this guy's out grappling him the first round, putting it on him. Uh, he, he's a guy that's fought top-end competition. Herbert Bur- um Tuko Willis, like de- decent enough guys for Tico Camus, Jesse Arnett. The problem is, is that, in all of his fights, his whole career path is the exact same blueprint. He comes out, guns a blazing, mm-hmm. either puts you out or you put him out. If you look at his record, and you look at the whole thing, his first 11 fights, 10 of them end in the first round, right? And he loses three of them. He loses those in the first round. Submitted, minute 13 in the first. Submitted, 322 in the first. Submitted, 430 in the first. Just in the beginning of his career, he's a first-round kind of guy. Fights guys like Luke Sanders, who also finishes him. Jesse Arnett, our boy from Canada, chokes him out. Uh, just that—that's how it goes. Now let's mo- look at more recent times. This fight already fucking happened, so this is a rematch. Jordan Griffin already fought Derek Minner, LFA 34. In the fight, it plays out like the most classic of Derek Minner fights. Derek Minner goes out there, he takes down Jordan Griffin in the first round, and he puts—he probably attempts four or five different submissions on him mm. in the first round. Right? Jordan Griffin defends all of the submissions, gets back up to his feet. And then Derek Minner, who can't strike, by the way. Derek Minner is such a bad striker, he openly took Herbert Burns down because he didn't want to fucking strike with him. And then got triangle choked, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the the guy's not a striker. And so in the first Griffin fight, he does what he always does. He puts it on Griffin for the first round. At the end of the first round, Griffin's not even out of it, dude. He, he scrambles, he's back up to his feet. Now in the second round, Minner falls right apart. He can't defend himself. He's tired. he guys back up against the cage. He's getting pounded on. He flops to the ground. And Jordan Griffin goes for a leg lock and then transitions it to a loose half-ass armbar. This is Jordan Griffin we're talking about. Armbar. Mm-hmm. And Minner just taps. Just wants out. This is this is who he is, man. His last five fights have ended in the first round. Mm-hmm. He's three and three over that course of time. Like that, it's just who he is. Yeah. So now you think, okay, well, people are betting him on the basis of he's going to try to go blow through Jordan Griffin and give an honest effort himself. The problem is, is that a We've seen this shit before. He tried to do it once and it didn't fucking work. And the thing is, B, Dan Ige and Chas Kelly are much better grapplers than Derek Minner and they couldn't put him out. So who's to say that Juan Archuleta, Bellator veteran, guy's fucking sick, right? Dan Moretz, the only guy that's ever finished this kid or has finished him. That was was the last guy to finish him, I should say. That's six years ago, Mm -hmm. right? Since then, he's developed. He's not a kid anymore. He's growing. He's coming off his first win in the UFC. So that's big because obviously gets the proverbial monkey off your back. You're feeling a little bit confident. TJ Brown did the same thing. EG wants to take him down. Scali wants to take him down. Brown wants to take him down. These guys have the same game plan on him. But he's he's defensively sound on his back. We don't want him on his back, but he defends himself. That quite literally is all he fucking has to do. He just literally needs to defend the submissions for, for one round. Minner will gas out, and when Minner gasses out – It'll be the same thing. He'll either TKO him or Minner doesn't really get TKO. What he does is when he's going to get TKO, he gives you a fluke-ass submission, which is why he shows so many submission losses on his record, as opposed to he should have got TKO last time against Griffin. He gives him the armbar. It shows armbar. Regardless, Griffin's going to, I think, he's going to put him on. Minner's not even a big 45er as well. That's going to play against him. I just honestly feel like Griffin's been fighting better level of competition, giving a better account of himself. And, I mean, writing's on the wall for how to beat Derek Minner. So, Wines, 165, I think that's a great price tag. And I think, uh, I think that Jordan Griffin has to be the play in this spot.
0: Couldn't agree more. And finally, we have Anthony Ivey taking on Christian Aguilera, not to be confused with Christina Aguilera. Uh, Ivey minus one, 190 favorite, Aguilera can be had for plus 165. Ivy was supposed to be, he was the late replacement who never got his, uh, never got his chance to shine. Um, last week, obviously, I was on high initial last week, and then my bet was voided, and then I was too spooked to, uh, to go back after it, uh, I mean, I should've, you know what, immediately, when so I just saw... an
1: email, you should've sent an email, and been like, what the fuck, man, you voided my bet, I was out of town this week, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, I'm not like that, though, you know, it I... It quite happened. I don't know, any sort of situation, like, that. I've never seen a, a coroner have to get pulled out due to COVID, like, a, a an infectious disease, you know what I mean, like... I don't know, but I really thought as soon as I saw Ian Hynish absolutely just Mollywop Gerald, I was just like, you, like to myself, I'm like, you are, you just decided to not follow through with a bet and a good read that you had because you thought that the guy was afraid of like COVID-19 or like was going to be shook by him. Like the guy went to Rikers. The guy spent some time at Rikers Island. Do you think he's gonna be scared of, of, of COVID nineteen? Like, I mean, he's great been grappling with all of his teammates all all the time, but the guy went to Rikers. There's nothing on earth that scares Ian Heinish. So, like, that one's on me. I was gonna really, really love Gerald Meeschert, especially as a DraftKings play last week. Uh, cause Anthony Ivey's takedown defense is is really bad. Like it's it's it, it like Gerald was just gonna run right through this guy, but that was because it was at 185 pounds. This is at 170. Christian Aguilera coming in. He didn't look the worst. I watched a little bit of tape on him. He um, Fights usually at 170. Probably not the biggest, though. Probably could make one, 155 if all things played out right. And, yeah, Ivy came in at 168.6 last time. So he's not exactly at 170. Um. Can Aguilera, I don't know if you've done very much research on this guy, like can he grapple? Can he can he wrestle at all? Cause if he can, he's got a really legitimate uh, shot at getting the victory here. Cause I am not paying for what I've seen in terms of the grappling department from Anthony Ivy, I am not paying one ninety to uh, to watch my money go up in flames like that.
1: Yeah, I would feel much more comfortable betting on still Ivy because <laughs> still Ivy is a natural born winner. He just finds a way to win. But now we have Anthony Ivey, not quite nearly as appealing. 190, you say, definitely not quite as appealing. But he's got the skills to win this fight for sure. Christian Aguilera, uh, he's, he's a big bomber. That's what he's got. He's got a big right hand, overhand right especially. Yeah, he could throw the uppercut a little bit. He's shown that a couple fights uh, ago. Uh, I think that Ricardo Saxeas fight in LFA. But, man, I mean, he's, he's very one-dimensional in that. He needs to line you up with that right hand, put you out with that right hand. The problem is, is that he's not one of these Mike Perry type guys, or one of these guys that just stays in your face, takes in a, a ludicrous amount of damage in order to line you up with that one punch. Can't take a great punch himself. First career loss, Darren Smith jr. Knocked out in the first round. third career loss against Matt sales, 151 into the first round, third career loss against Richard Leroy. Actually, that's his fourth career loss, fourth career loss to Richard Leroy. He's knocked out in two minutes. So right there, it's like, okay, he's been knocked out three times in the first round. He was in the LFA 59 main event against D- David Machado. This was just last year, knocked out first round. Beyond that, though, he got rocked hard. Ricardo Sexe has dropped him with the left hand, but he won the fight. So that doesn't show knockout loss. He got dropped with the left hand. And his last fight against Glossio Eliziario, he's in trouble a little bit in the first round getting touched up. So that in lines is, oh, he's not a wrestler. He's not really a grappler. He just, he comes at you. He closes, the, he closes the pocket, he makes it a greedy fight, He tries to land that big bombino right-hand on you. That's his move. Because Cardi doesn't really check out. He either knocks you on the first round. If you can check him at any point, he's not going to stand up to the test. No, and the later the fight goes, the more he starts to make just like bigger, you know, more obvious problems. Blunders. Looking at Anthony Ivy, when they announced that Ivy was going to come in against Mearshart, I just didn't really have time to tape him properly then. I was hoping that the fight would just keep on with Heinish. I'd already spent time on that. We like Heinish. The fight happens great. I didn't really look at Ivy, but just going through my mind. Gerald would have killed did him. Man. Not,
0: Gerald People smashed. did
1: not like Anthony Ivy whatsoever. Looking at it myself personally now, I don't mind this guy. I don't mind this guy. He's actually got two things that I like. He's you think what, Gerald to Gerald was gonna he's got
0: a great to Gerald was gonna crush him though.
1: You know what? I disagree with that, man. I disagree with that. And I'll tell you why Besides... real quick. Not that I wouldn't... Okay, that's fair. But Gerald's got a couple things going against him. One, he's got bad cardio. B, his takedown defense, although he stuffed win a couple times. Takedown defense, not great. And it turned out in Heinrich, Heinrich is not a murderous power puncher. It literally just took one shot over the top. Mearshark crumpled. So Anthony yeah. Ivy throws bombs. Anthony Ivy's is a decent wrestler from what I can see. And Anthony Ivey does not tie. i got a fucking great gas tank. So, yeah, Mearshart should have been the favorite. Mearshart probably does win that fight. However, I wouldn't have, if they gave me two-to-one Mearshart, I wasn't going to fucking put him on parlay, buddy. That's for damn sure. And they wouldn't have given you a great price. So, anyways, looking at this really quick, Anthony Ivey, texas foreign guy, and he's been mostly spending the majority of his time on the Texas regional scene. He has fought for LFA. He has fought for Bellator. Um, his Bellator lost Jason Langlier. He actually avenged that fight. Langlier, also a decent prospect himself, so not a bad win. But I want to go back to the Willis Black fight. So it's his last fight, WXC82 Warrior Wednesday. It's a show out of Michigan, and you can watch it on Fight Pass. So he comes into that fight. He's the Fury FC champion. He's on Willis Black. Willis Black is the, um, the WXC champ from Michigan. So he's leaving his comfort zone to go to Michigan to, to make this fight possible. And you know what? The guy just sticks. Take down. He just goes for it. He's got a decent chin. He can take a punch. He's never been knocked out. His Both of his pro losses are by submission. And I don't think he really has to worry about a submission against Christian Aguilera, who's shown no propensity to submit guys, Paul. He really just tries to line you with the big right hand. So I think this guy's good enough to take the punch. And it's the fact that he just, he'll just he keep going. Like he, Even when Willis Black clips him a couple times. Willis Black, by the way, can crack. When Willis Black's hitting him, he just he bides his time, he covers up, he waits, he dips under for a takedown. If he doesn't get the takedown, he keeps going. If you end up on top of him, he works his way back up, he tries to take you back down. I fucking like that. I like that style when you're fighting low-end guys. Christian Aguilera is a low-end guy. Mm-hmm. If Ivy's game plan of just stick to this guy like glue and just keep trying to grind him and grind him and grind him, that'll work well. And also with Ivy ivy breaks willis black by the third round. Like this guy's is just his cardio calm. but the fact that he finishes him in the fourth and just mauls him and the commentators because by the way it's michigan commentators they're watching their own guy happen they tout the fuck out of willis's black takedown oh this guy's a career wrestler all oh, people don't know how good his takedown. he gets fucking clowned out there by anthony ivy who left texas to go to michigan to make this fight happen there's a lot to like about him in that regard and so uh and so yeah, geez, minus minus one ninety is a terrible price. Two debuting guys, unproven, first fight on the card. Mm-hmm. Jesus, it should be a pass. However, just breaking down from what I've seen, Aguilar is just way too one-dimensional with the power punch. Doesn't have a great chin. Doesn't have a great gas tank. Meanwhile, Anthony Ivey, your wrestling's okay, but most more than it being okay is that he has the. He's just gonna stick to it. Like he has. He has. No quarrels about, oh, man, this fight's getting boring. He just keeps on you, breaks you down. That's going to be the way to get the win. And because he's never been knocked out, I think he should be good enough to at least take a couple shots from Aguilera, and that's what Aguilera relies on. So minus 190, again, not a great price tag, but Anthony Ivy is the play.
0: DraftKings Breakdown for UFC Apex. I versus, Agu- or I versus Calvillo. Um, how do you want to go through this? You want to go highest price to lowest price? You want to go main event through... Uh, Curtain Jerker Your call
1: Well I got I got that document You sent me So do you want to Just go through it Fight by fight Starting at the top And just go through Just really quick Take it away my man Okay Jessica I Cynthia Calvillo This one's going the distance 8300 7900 respectively It's like I don't know That there's a huge edge Out of here You want them to mix in wrestling Maybe Calvillo could mix in A little bit of wrestling It just won't be enough She doesn't have a strike output Jessica I Jessica I She lands 100 significant strikes Over 5 rounds For 8300 yeah, yeah, probably probably a decent little poke. If you can get some finishes on this card, this one's probably earmarked to not be a finish. It is a close fight. You could be on the opposite side of it. I, i'm just not feeling it personally Vittorio over robertson Vittorio, 8800 he's overpriced he's not much of a finisher himself yes we talked about his has got the skills to win this fight yes we'd like to see him get takedowns and, and and work Roberson on the ground problem is if he gets two or three takedowns which is the most he's going to get robertson's not really scrambling back up i don't think that vittori's the kind of guy that goes for multiple transitions he's not trying to pass he's not really trying to submit you he's just trying to hold you down keep position not enough for me for the 8800 i gotta pass robert vashvili at 9200 you're always gonna want you're always going to want some exposure to this guy. Problem is he's going to be a very high ownership because of just the amount his history of just landing just a gross amount of takedowns. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that it won't be as many takedowns as we're all thinking here. Borg's not I physically strong enough to just power himself back up to the ground. So, Devoche really might get three takedowns and a little bit of striking, and that might be enough to win. So, 9,200, it goes to decision, which I'm thinking it's going to go. He gets a decision with, with three or four takedowns, very little ground transitions on there, very little ground and pound. I mean... I, I, I could see this one being high-ownership. Vaz Feely, really he wins. He, he's good on a cash game team, but he's not the optimal lineup on a GPP. Andre Feely, I'd love to play him. I think 225 on the money line is really good. $8,600, it's not terrible. Problem is, I can't discredit Jourdain's durability. Jourdain is, he's hittable, but... Uh, again, I don't know. I, I think that if I got the $8,600, i am looking for a higher mid-range price guy on a cash game team, Felix, my guy. As far as GPP goes, I want to be a little more risky. He's a bit of a high price tag. Might be a, bit of a question mark there. Espinosa, Mark De La Rosa, if, if Espinosa shits in the apple pie and De La Rosa just loves him, then yeah, $7,700, he's going to be a great price tag. Meanwhile, Espinosa, he can get lots of takedowns. He can get significant strikes. He can rack up points. He's just very risky, $8,500. It's kind of reflective of his minus 160. It's just a little too much for me, although I do see him being able to uh, to make you happy and, and get the points, you know, if he does what he's capable of doing. Agapova, 245. We don't... You, you mentioned it's 8,000 apiece?
0: Uh, Agapova, uh, no, it's 87 and 75. Right. Yeah, yeah so sorry, let me let me say one thing. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of people going like, right, Ryan Benoit's not supposed to be on that board. I know, but... I mean, they're they're adding new prices as I'm recording a show, um, super super late. So I'm just rolling with it this week. Sorry, guys.
1: No, yeah, yeah, totally fine. I think people should understand. Yeah. Um, don't hey, don't play, play don't play Ryan
0: Benoit, <laughs> the guy with the big O next to his name on the DraftKings <laughs> <laughs> server. Don't play that guy, okay? Sorry, yeah. continue. Yeah,
1: if the U- if the UFC can mail it in and throw fights on last minute, then, you know, our board guy. I am the forward. board guy.
0: I am I'm admitting <laughs> that I mailed it in on this one because, you know what? Actually, I uh, well, I'll tell you after in a second. Sorry. Continue.
1: <laughs> okay, going through with Agapova versus Cyphers, I, I actually like Agapova. $8,700. Again, it's a little much. She's a striking personifier. She's going to throw a ton of volume. She'll go after Cyphers. Cyphers' best best path, like I said, in the clinch, which would slow her down, and that would you know cut down the Agapova strikes. I just don't know that Cyphers going to stick to it. Ego could be like a sneaky play at eighty seven hundred it it is a little much as we talked about two hundred forty five in the money line. it is a little bit of much, but because she's debuting because most people don't remember from Invicta, they remember her from contender series, but mm-hmm. she didn't give she didn't give a great account of herself. It's possible she's low ownership and good sure. upside okay so I, I have my eye on that one for sure rosa versus kevin aguilar i feel like this one is also going to decision rosa's kind of traditionally lower score unless he gets a submission i don't see him submitting kevin aguilar as much as i need him to just outpoint him over the course of three i'm gonna have to say pass on both sides i can see people playing aguilar in that maybe we think rosa and you know what rosa actually <laughs> survived every submission attempt from mitchell Bermuda's is a submission artist. He got the win over him. Mm-hmm. He's durable enough. He's not getting knocked out in there unless it's you know late against a guy like Burgos. He's durable enough that I just don't know that even if I was going to go with Kevin Aguilar, who's I don't know that he's going to land a bunch of takedowns, a bunch yep. of significant strikes. It's just too much. That's probably a hard pass as well. Avila over Gia, Gina Mazzani because Mazzani's taking it on short notice. Last time she fought in the UFC, the Macy Chase on fight, she folded up in less than two minutes. Mm-hmm. Avila's got numerous advantages. Avila has also been training for this fight because she had whoever that girl was. She was supposed to fight Carol. Uh, Carol Rosa. Uh, right, right. So this is this this one is actually we didn't talk about this, so I'll just throw this in really quick. But uh, if you're if you're Julia Avila, right, you win your UFC debut, and then they book you against Carol Rosa. This is right at the end of last year. UFC on ESPN twenty. Okay, mm-hmm. Rosa pulls out. They rebook you. Two months later, now the event is UFC on ESPN 30, canceled due to coronavirus. Then they rebook you against Carol Rosa for UFC on ESPN 32, canceled due to coronavirus. It's like Habib Tony all over again. Then they rebook her for this card, and she pulls off due to injury. The fact is, though, is that going back from the first Rosa fight until this, it's eight months, right? Eight Mm -hmm. months. Now, I'm not suggesting she's been in camp for eight months. Now obviously, with coronavirus, you know, things all over the place. However, she should be more than prepared. And Gina Mazzani should not be prepared. So I, I could see her going out there and getting the finish and uh, and scoring a decent amount of points. I think that I would definitely have my eye on Julia Avila. Tyson Nam versus uh, Adeshev. I don't think Adeshev knocks out Tyson Nam. Adeshev, really, he, this could go right back to the Hooper situation, right? You got a guy, and Tyson Nam has 30 pro fights. He's fought in Russia. He's fought in Bellator. He's fought in Brazil, where he knocked out the former Bellator champ, Eduardo Dantas. He's got a win over Ali Bogatinov, in which he blew his fucking face off, again, in Russia. 30-fight veteran, as I mentioned, versus a guy who has four fights, has quite literally beaten fucking nobody, and cannot grapple. Why? And it's even money. Why in your right mind would you take Adeshev? That's where the trap becomes a problem. You can't just discredit him because we don't know as much as we'd like to, and quite honestly, he's got the type of style that Tyson Nam could fall in for that one. So I'm waiting to see if I can get a dog price on one of them, which it, it's sitting even right now. I don't know as far as uh the price goes uh I don't think that at eight thousand Tyson Nam, like you said, he'd probably be expensive because people were using that Ryan white price tag mm-hmm. now if they get out of chef i i just I just don't know I don't know that Tyson Nam if he's not going to wrestle, and he barely does. He's not going to score a ton. And as far as the striking goes, he could knock you out. Could, but mm-hmm. he just doesn't throw enough. This kid's the natural striker. He's probably not going to get caught. I see this one being a low-scoring affair. Griffin versus Derek Minner, I feel like Jordan Griffin is a must-have. He's going to get a finish. It'll probably happen in the second round. $8,900. There will probably be a lot of ground transitions and crazy stuff. And and um, take the live bet after round one because Miner might fuck his style on his ass in the first round. Yeah. And then you're going to look at it and be like, holy shit. The judges are looking Minner's up one round, and grip. No, no, it doesn't matter. Minner could be up two rounds. He's going to gas at some point. When he gases, he falls apart. Just mm-hmm. happens every time. He's fought thirty times. We've seen him this happen. Minner is pretty the, much all thirty fights. This, <laughs> like, Minner, Minner,
0: Minner, is this week's Charles Bird potentially. I, I mean, Bird was the right. favorite, and Minner's the underdog, but same type of situation.
1: That's exactly it. We knew Bird comes out hot in the first round and that he's got a susceptible cardio problem, and maybe you can take advantage of him in the second round. And you know what? His chin's not great. It's not, it's not bad, but he gets so tired and overexerts himself, he just falls right apart. I kind of see the same thing. Miner just – he knows what he's getting brought in for. He's hunting bonuses. The UFC pays this guy $12,000. He doesn't win his fight, so he collects $12,000. Reebok feels bad for him. They chip him another one. 2500 Is it three grand he gets out of that? And he leaves with, what, $15,000? Like, he'd have to fight in the UFC uh, three, four times, right? Or he could get a fucking bonus, right? And I don't even have to win to get a fucking bonus. I just need to make this a crazy fun fight where people are like, damn, that was fun, and I would make as much as I would. I, the UFC won't even give me three, four fights. They'll cut me long before that. I need to hunt for bonuses. That, that'll be what i doing. And Griffin's shown durability against better guys, better grapplers like Ige and whatnot. He'll, he'll survive the onslaught. He has before. This is a rematch. He has before. Survive the onslaught. Get this guy in the second round. I think at $8,900. I hate to give away my strategy and all that shit, but like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's on my lineup. Mm-hmm. And then Anthony Ivey versus Christian Aguilera. Again, Anthony Ivey, he's not a great price tag at 9000 However, the flip side to that is that he might be really low ownership. Guys don't want to pay up for that kind of money for a guy that's UFC debut, first part in the card, don't really know anything about him. I was going to fade the shit out of him against Jeremy Mirshard, and now I'm betting him as a near 2-1 to favorite mm-hmm. over, you know. I ben mean, that was, that was my
0: exact, uh, I was looking for any sort of reason to try to fade him, but it sounds like I shouldn't.
1: Yeah. And I I want underdogs as much as the next guy We tried to get three last week. Didn't obviously work out. I mean, we got a couple of dogs, but it goes back to like some cards. You don't like any dogs. Some cards you like four or five dogs looking at this card. I'm kind of reaching for a dog, but this ain't it. Just because Christian Mm -hmm. Aguilera has that power. I don't think it's enough for me to bank him on that dog. And I think that Anthony Ivy with relentless wrestling, but not great top control, you get up a lot, right? And he just keeps taking you down. And as we talked about low end, mediocre fighters in greasy slop fest with eight takedowns is the way to fucking win these things, especially if other people are going to choose to pass on them based on price tag and, you know, just the unknown factor of him. So, so definitely worth a look at 9,000 for Anthony idea. So
0: Aguilera is not a genie in a bottle is what you're saying. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, not a genie in a bottle, but but I can't. St- the last thing there is, yeah, he would be considered a punt because yeah, he's one dimensional and he tries to line you up. I, I, I Anthony Ivy hasn't been knocked out. I don't think it lands. But again, for seventy two hundred dollars, if you did have Aguilar as a punt on when you're playing multiple lineups and he does land the big shot and gets the KO, he he will also be very low ownership and has high upside. But I just don't see the fight playing out like that. I think that Ivy grounds and takes him down. Puts them through the the motions, grinds them down, and either finishes them late or just comfortably wins that thirty twenty seven.
0: So here's the thing: uh, this week I will be MIA during the actual fights themselves. I'm going portaging. I'm gonna be like out in the middle of nowhere. I don't expect to have any sort of cell phone service. So one, it's good in the sense that I bet Jessica I, and I expect a lot of like if she loses and it looks bad. I expect a lot of people to criticize. Like, I welcome that. I, I deserve it <laughs> if it goes wrong. But I won't be able to... Like, it, it should be able to dampen... The, I'll probably be able to tell based on how many not, like how many Twitter notifications I have. If it's, over, yeah. like, if it's over a couple hundred, I lost. If it's, like, under a hundred, I won. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to... It makes it difficult, and here's the thing. And, like, you know, this is, like, the first card in a long time I haven't been able to watch live, but... And I won't have access to, like, phone and stuff. It makes it hard to make DraftKings lineups. Like, if I'm, if I'm leaving on Friday, Friday at 6 a.m., I'm going to be out in the woods. Anything happens, a fight drops out. It's not like when you're doing parlays and stuff. That just gets voided. Like, you get zero points, you're basically just lighting your money on fire. So, I mean, I'll probably have, like, one lineup in there just, just as a punt, and hopefully it all stays together, but... Yeah, it's uh not gonna be a heavy DraftKings week for me. It's an interesting DraftKings week. I think it's hard to find the people oh, yeah. who, like cause none of these people typically score all that well. So it's 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 gonna be difficult to find the the optimal. I mean, it's hard every single week to find the optimal, but this week specifically, it's like you don't have too many people that you can really depend on. And we were talking about guys like Mirab. Usually Marab's like 8,400, 85, and he's a smash play. You play him in every single lineup because this guy can score 135 points. Against Borg, yeah, the the style could make it, you know, he doesn't have to get 11 takedowns because Borg can't get back up because the size disparity is too big. So very, very challenging DraftKings, uh, DraftKings week for sure. Um, that's about all I've got. Why don't you hit him with the PRP and we'll get out of here.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, just to rack up yours, it's going to be a tough week, obviously, with TK, because, yeah, if I ask anybody in their right mind, do you want Debochevili, do you want Ivy? you take Debochevili, but like we're saying, styles could be the difference, and Borg could put up a little more, you know, he might not get scored as much as a guy who's kind of out of there, but, yeah, hit him with the PRP. Like we said, it's mostly all favorites, but we are officially going to go with we're gonna take Jessica. Ai. I'll roll with you on there. I was leaning ooh, towards her anyways, ooh. but you seem confident. I'm taking Jessica. I Marvin Vittori. Uh, we're gonna go with obviously Marob feely Andre Feely, Jordan Espinoza, Maria Agapova, Charles Rosa. Probably the lone dog. Julia Avila. Uh, I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Tyson Nam. But again, I'm definitely waiting on Price, and I want to see weigh on that one as well. Jordan Griffin. That'd be my personal play of the week. I think. It mm-hmm. Just I got a feeling about him anyway. I like and him. then. Uh, Anthony Anthony Ivy. So yeah, I mean, and 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 I want to I want to throw in just one last rec theory for you, Paul. Right before we go, love it. Right? Let's hear it. My lone dog play Charles Rosa. Right, debut in the UFC. Lost to Dennis siever Next fight, beat Sean Soriano. Then he lost to yeah Rodriguez. Then he beat Kyle Bockniak. Then he lost to Shane Burgos. Then he beat Manny Bermudez. They lost to Bryce Mitchell. He's literally fucking been rotating wins and losses for like eight years, dog. He's pulling Never the Njaquani. The, the to He's gonna pull nowhere. win. The Njaquani effect. Yeah, yeah. Where it's uh,
0: can't see how this doesn't. Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way he nah. can't. He can't lose if he's on that type of thing, right?
1: Uh, that type of stretch. Yeah, I would say so. Just, I would say. I would say history as a way of repeating itself. Yeah, so. we'll see. Anyway, my is lone dog doomed. play so.
0: Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other final thoughts there before we get out of here? Anything else you want to add no, on? That's or? about
1: it. Yeah. Unfortunately, you'll be portaging. You're going to miss a little uh, bet in my boy Jordan Griffin between rounds. Yeah, I know. But yeah, no. I mean, best of luck. I know you. I know you booked that cottage thing out for like a while ago for your buddy. So, oh yeah, that's a little bit down that's time. not
0: even this. This is that that was already canceled um, because of the like, virus. Like everything. Yeah. Yeah, like everything. Right. Yeah, it was, that was a bachelor party. Unfortunately, we're not going on that because it was like twenty different dudes all going up to a, a place way up north. Um, I mean, I was well. Let's not even get into that.
1: You're not doing, you're not doing a great job of selling it, Paul. Let's
0: let's not let's not even get into that. Let's, dudes in the wilderness. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, there was there were people who were uncomfortable with uh, with the thought of that. Um, I, I won't say whether it was me or not. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's it for us this week. Hope you enjoyed the show for Cody Saftik. I am Paul Shaughnessy saying goodbye and good luck.